Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study the Prophet Ezekiel chapter 16a, the first portion of chapter 16, that is the Navi Yechaskel, Parak Tes Zion. This is Saul Weinreb, the host of this podcast. Chapter 16 is a very long chapter, uh, also a very stirring, very difficult one in many ways, um, and very graphic, uh, which we will see as we um, study this. Uh, the, the, um, because it is so long, I'm going to divide it into several parts. Uh, I'm not sure yet, either three or four parts. Today we're going to do part one, which is going to end with verse 14. Just to remind you, in, in the last chapter, 15, the prophet started on a new series of methods of trying to convince the people and to get his message across. A new, a new um, strategy that he started to deploy, which was using parables to convey his message. Parables can often be a powerful way to make a point. And um, in the first parable, 15, we heard the parable of the fruitless vine comparing Israel to a vine that produced no fruit and the uselessness of a vine that produces no fruit. Now he is going to um, use the parable of a woman, of a wife, of a wife who uh, is called, uh, some would call this the harlot wife, a wife who is unfaithful, a wife who gives of herself to everyone else, but not to the one she is supposed to be in love with and supposed to be devoted to. That is the image. The image gets very graphic with sexual imagery, uh, and we will read it and so develop the picture that Ezekiel is is trying to convey to the people with this parable. So, verse 1, And the word of God to me was as follows, Ben Adam, human being, I want you to notify Jerusalem, <coughs> notify Jerusalem's inhabitants of <coughs> her abominations. Uh, another translation, probably a better one, is because he's speaking actually to the people in the exile, is I want you to make known, <coughs> to announce the abominations of Jerusalem. And in the following way, the Amarta. This is what I want you to say, God tells the prophet. So says the Lord God to Jerusalem, or could mean regarding Jerusalem. Your, where you have come from, and your birthplace, is from the land of the Canaanites. We know that, um, looking back at the patriarchs, their land was the land of Eretz Canaan, at least Jacob and Isaac were born in the land of the Canaanites. So your origins are here, together with all the other people of Canaan. Your origins were no different than any of the origins of the people that surround you. Avich ha'emori, your father was an Emorite, ve'imech chitit, and your mother was a Hittite. There's a lot of explanations as to whom they're referring to and so on. The point here really is not so much the actual lineage of the people, which is well known to us from, from the book of Genesis. It is the fact that <clears throat> in the beginning, 
we were born as a people in a place that were just like and just the same, no different, no better or no worse than the people that surrounded us. There was nothing special about us. The key point in Ezekiel that we will find is what makes us special is the Torah that God gave us, is the special relationship that God has with us, which is based on our keeping His commandments and living the way He wants us to live with the devotion and the commitment and the, the um, kindness to others. You know, as we know from other books that said a commission justice and righteousness, these are the things that make us different, that make us special. The covenant, which is based on our behavior. Our origins, though, make us no better than anyone else. If we misbehave, if we do not live up to what we are supposed to live up to, then we are just the same as everyone else. And that is the point that this Pasuk is making. You are born here in this land just like all the other people around you, with the same forefathers as all the other people around you. But in a sense, you were even worse, and we'll see why. This is verse 4. Regarding your birth, on the day that you were born. Now, the image, I'm going to use the image that the Radak places here. Imagine a young girl in, in an ancient society where who who can conceives either out of wedlock or conceives in a in a on, in not a normal circumstance she has no support she's young she's um she has no nobody no family to take care of her no people to take care of her no one cares about her she gives birth in a field she doesn't even know how to take care of the baby just goes through the awful pain of childbirth alone all alone and forlorn um and uh, so, and on this birthday, lo karat sharech, no one even knew to cut your umbilical cord. You were, uh, no one bathed you in, in warm water to wash off the, the, uh, the dirt and blood, etc. from the birth. And no one salted, in those days they would use uh, like salt water to clean the baby. And no one swaddled you in a warm blanket. No one was around to take care of you. You were abandoned in the field, left to die. Now, there's a lot of um, different explanations for each one of these events. But if you imagine the event that we just read in verse 4, the being born with no one to take care of you, imagine that being the patriarchs, Abraham, who left his family to come to the land of Canaan, the land of, of, of what was eventually going to be the land of Israel, alone, with no one to take care of him by himself. Even Isaac and Jacob, they didn't have a people, a nation to be with. They didn't have a family to be with. They were alone. They were by themselves in, in, the, in a new land. This is verse 5. And then what happened in the end? There was nobody around in the surroundings to take care of you, to pay attention to you, to do any of these things, to have mercy upon you. You had to make it out on the world on your own. And in the end, you were, you were left out alone, thrown out into the field by yourselves to fend for yourself, rejected by everyone. Right there in the beginning of your birth, this is generally seen to be a reference to there was famine in the land. No one cared about you. And you get rejected. You get thrown out into the land of Egypt to live as slaves. This is you. 
that's how you started. Still, at this point, no special relationship with God, no no mitzvot to keep, no laws, no rules, no uh, teachings about about morality, nothing, nothing good, nothing special about us, just thrown out to be slaves in Egypt. Uh, then, so many of you may recognize these verses from uh, the Passover Haggadah. These, you know, this is a reference to God, looked at upon us in Egypt and said, I passed over you, and I saw you, you were wallowing in your blood. Literally, this would generally understood to mean in your suffering, and I told you, Within your blood you shall survive. Again, within your blood you shall survive. There's various understandings of what this means. With your blood you shall survive. Um, what the simple reading and understanding is, despite your suffering, I am going to make sure you make it out. God had mercy. He saw people suffering. He had mercy. and Which would then lead to the idea that God, the reason why the Jews became redeemed from Egypt was because of God's mercy on suffering people. Another way to understand it is because of your suffering. In other words, through your suffering, you earned the right to have a chance. You earned the right to be redeemed. Both of those understandings are leave intact the understanding that Ezekiel has been giving us until this point, which was that we were inherently no different than everyone else around us, no, not deserving of anything special any more than everyone else around us. However, God saw people suffering, he decided to have mercy. Or he saw that people suffered, it was time to rescue them. Another understanding, which is, uh, which is uh, known from Chazal, from the rabbinic tradition, is, is that B'domayach, through the blood of the mitzvot, of the things that you are, we expect you to do. God saw in us the potential to do mitzvot, the, specifically the blood of Brit Milah, the blood of circumcision, um, the blood of the carbon Pesach, these things of, of the Paschal Lamb, God saw in us in the future the, the blood that we were willing to go through, the suffering that we would be willing to go through to keep the Mitzvot. He saw that there was potential. There was potential for us to do those things, and therefore he redeemed us. That would be another way, of course, of understanding this. Um, um, so let's uh, continue. Uh, this next verse 7 is also familiar from the Haggadah, from Passover. I let you therefore grow in, within the land of your suffering, within Egypt. I let you grow like the, the fruits of the land. As we know, uh, the more the Egyptians would punish the people, the more they would grow, the more children they would have, the more they would prosper. Vatirbi, um, Vatigdali, uh, <clears throat> you became many and you grew up and you started developing uh, a sense as, as, as a people and now we're, we're imagining this abandoned baby as a young girl, we've been using the feminine uh, language, the feminine uh, tense of Hebrew um, this entire time so you started to grow up, you grew until you became a mature, physically mature woman, Shadayim Nachonu with breasts properly developed and your hair sprouted across your body however you were still naked you didn't have uh, the clothing to wear and this is generally understood to be referring to the clothing 
which is the Torah, which I, the, 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 there's nothing special about you until I give you, God says, with the covenant that I will make with you, I am going to give you a mission. That mission is that moral mission, the ethical mission, the mission to teach the world what it means to relate to God properly, to end oppression, to work together with each other, to, to, to worship a single God and to get away from the corruptions and abominations that were associated with the idol worship of the rest of the world. So you, at this point, you were still na- uh, naked. You didn't have that yet. And I passed over you. And I saw you. I saw that you had grown. And this was now the time for love. I, you had grown to the point. This, the image is one of, of a woman who has come upon her physical womanhood and maturity level. And now it's time for her to find love. And God saw that the people were now ready to find that bond, that bond of love, which will obviously be with God. And I, God is saying this as if he is the man, I spread my wings over you, I covered your nakedness, and I swore to you that you would be mine, and I made a covenant with you, an agreement with you, Elohim, so says the Lord God, and you became mine, like you became my wife. This image of God as the husband and his people as a wife, we find many times uh, throughout Chazal, or will remind you of uh, in the book of Hosea, where we have uh, uh, several chapters where uh, God asks Hosea to take for himself a, a, a wife, and the comparison between his wife and the people of Israel. Uh, there he asked him to take a wife that was a harlot. But the demonstration, what the point there was slightly different than here, but the idea of portraying God as, as the husband and the people as a wife is very common. We also find famously in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1, Could a man send out his wife, and so on? That it was a reference to God sending the, the, the people, um, referring to the people of Israel as God's wife, so to speak. So this image, and there's many, many other places where this image appears. Here's probably one of the most graphic. I mean, beautiful in a sense, but it it becomes tragic and difficult as we continue this chapter. Let's go on to verse 9. Here we are in the stage of love where God brings us into the covenant. He brings us to Mount Sinai. And then after Mount Sinai, I wash you off with water, meaning I cleanse you of all of your past sins. Now you're no longer full of all of the dirt of, of idolatry and corruption and, and oppression, which was such a part of your lives until now. I rinse all that blood off of you, all the blood of the suffering the, the, and the blood of the, of the pagan sacrifices. And I smear you up with oil. I give you something beautiful. This could be a reference to giving you the temple, giving you, um, start, uh, giving you the land of Israel. I dressed you up with beautiful clothing, and I gave you sandals made out of, 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 of skin of the tachash. Exactly the identity of this animal tachash is unclear, but it's a, a beautiful animal, a very expensive material. The 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 bashesh, and then I. I, I wrapped you in, in linen, meshi, and I dressed you up in silk clothing. This is all a reference to giving you the beautiful land of Israel and setting you up with, 
with kings and, and setting you up with a beautiful temple and giving you fields and vineyards and so on. And then on top of that, I gave you all kinds of fine jewelry. And I put bracelets on your arms and necklaces around your neck. Nose rings in your nose. And earrings on your ears. And a crown of glory on your head. And then you went and here's starts to give a hint about what's about to happen. So God gave them all of this, but all of this was being given by God to the people. Much of this is a reference to the spiritual beauty that God gave us. The Torah, the temple, the service, the, the, the laws, the rules by which to live an upright and a proper life. However, vata'adi, then you started getting dressed up in gold and silver. And you made your clothing The key word here is vata'adi. That, that you adorned yourself is the way many translate this, started doing this. As yet hasn't about to give a hint to a slight turn, which is going to make a big difference. Um, and your soles you began to eat fancy foods with oil and honey. And you became more and more and more beautiful. And eventually you were successful to become a king. The establishment, this is a, a, clearly a reference to the, uni- the building of the United Mar- Monarchy under David and Solomon. The, de- the heyday, the height of the, of the empire and, and, and rule of, of Israel. Now, I'm going to stop here. This is where we see this relationship developing, a beautiful relationship between God and his beloved, the beloved that God took and rescued from the field when he was in. She was in a bloody infant, dirty, abandoned, raised her through slavery, through suffering, gave her Torah, gave her the land of Israel, gave her a temple, gave her so many beautiful things. The people have now achieved everything, and now the people are starting to get dressed up in these beautiful clothes. And what direction are they going to, they going to go into? Um, unfortunately, it's not going to be a good one. We will continue that when we continue chapter 16b. Thank you so much for studying chapter 16a. Looking forward to studying the next chapter and the entire book of Ezekiel together.